Brandon Gore. John Schuler. Hey, buddy. What's up, buddy? Happy December. Is it December? It is. I think we just broke into December. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what year it is half the time. <laughs> we all know that. Anybody who listens to the podcast will know that. I yeah. definitely don't know what day it is, and the month is, uh, you know, hit or miss. It is what know. it is. You know, the funny thing is, the public school system really failed me. I didn't learn the months of the year in the correct order until I was in my 20s. Is that but crazy? Yeah, but the idea you were supposed to go. Yeah, no, I mean, I went. But there'd be like a, a question on a test. It's like, you know, blah, 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 February, March, April, and then this month and this month. And it's supposed to be some kind of like logic question. And I would just guess. I'm like, uh, C. C's the answer. I have no idea. I don't know what the months of the year are. It was insane. But for some reason, my brain just didn't care. So I never actually cared to even learn it. I look back at that, how nuts that was, but it was crazy. But that being said, I was in a gifted program, which again is like such a offensive term for a school system, gifted, like to say this kid is, you know, whatever, smarter or whatever than another kid. I think that's stupid, but I was in a gifted program uh, growing up, but I didn't know the months of the year. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. That's funny you brought that up. That is a conversation, believe it or not, I have with both my children who fortunately, and I'm going to say because of AIM, they're fairly intelligent and they do well in school, very well, quite frankly. But the downside that I see, and this is something I've had to have more conversations with my son than my daughter, is that don't take that for granted. Take the time, whatever that means, and actually learn it because that's something I did not do. Yeah. Just what you're saying. Yes, I was always in the accelerated programs. Uh, and I think I've said this before, for me, regardless of what we were talking about, it was just about putting a puzzle together, if that makes sense. Right. But, and I'm good at that. I just, like I've said in many podcasts, in my opinion, that's one of my strengths is I know I can figure out how to put things together, but that doesn't mean I learned anything. Yeah. I never took the time to learn it. Um, and that's something I'm trying to pass on to the kids. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. But I, but I do know what month it is. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good for you. I know what month it is. Sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes. <laughs> I know what year it is. Sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. It is what it that's is. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, we don't write checks anymore by hand. So all these things like, yeah. you know, I, I can go to some hardware store a hundred times, but I still put it in my GPS. I don't memorize the way to get there. It's just crazy the world we live in today. When we yeah. were young, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have GPS. I remember going on road trips when I was uh, in my early, well, I used to be a, a hotel trainer and I'd fly to a different city every three to six days and I'd get a little map from the uh, rental car counter and they'd say, hey, where are you staying? Oh, I'm staying at this hotel. They'd circle it and, you know, here's the airport. They'd circle it. There you go. And I'd be driving down the interstate at, you know, two in the morning with a little light yeah. on, like looking, oh, I got to get off on I-44 and do this and do that. And that's the way we used to be, but now it's just so different. So my brain now does not retain a lot of different things just because it doesn't have to, like directions. I think that's everybody. Remember, I mean, you used to, have to memorize everybody's phone number. Yeah. Or you didn't get their phone number. Yeah. And now it's in a phone, and I, I don't even know my own damn phone number. Yeah, I forget mine half the time. When you're at the checkout yeah. at a store, and it's like, enter your phone number for your, for your member card. I'm like, what's my phone number again? What is it? Well, that makes a lot of dummy down. I was just reading something the other day where they showed this Amazon van. 
So again, somebody used a GPS and they ended up in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and then abandoned the van. It still had packages in it and everything, <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but the GPS <laughs> told them to drive out to this boonie land. And then they finally just abandoned it and walked back in. See, see, that's crazy town to me. I, I don't understand I think my package was that. on that truck. I think my package is... <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I can't even imagine. I checked the track but, and it said it was in Death Valley. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense, but. Tells you how dumbed down things can become mm-hmm. with uh, too much technology. Well, I think it's just, you know, our our brains adapt. It, we're, we've gone through just in the last 20 years. I mean, we've gone through like such an evolution as a species that our our brains are adapting in such a way. It's just mind boggling if you think about like our kids the world they were born into and the right. way technology is so integrated in their lives or it wasn't in our lives growing up. That's true. So that's true. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird time. Concrete related. Uh, I want to tell you a little story about what happened to me two days ago. And it's kind of a sad story, at least for me. Uh Oh yeah. Oh, so I cast, I have to do these tables for a client. By the way, this client is one of the clients that just is hounding me incessantly every day. Hey, do you have an update? Do you have an update? Do you have an update? And it's those clients. I feel like telling her, please. But she's excited. They're excited. That's what it is. Yeah. But don't jinx it. Because if my experience, the ones that are just hounding you incessantly are the ones where they go sideways. And the ones where they're like, hey, um, you have an update? Uh, you know, we're working on it. I'll, I'll send you a shipping update when we get a little bit closer. Great. Those go flawlessly. Right. But the one is like every day. Hey, hey, hey. I don't know, like, uh, it's not going to change anything. It's, yeah, it's just, it just changes the, the, the dynamic of my perspective of the project in a way. But anyways, so she's been doing that. So it's these two tables. Um, they're pretty simple tables, but halfway through building the forms, I decided, hey, I want to do this cool little detail on the underside to essentially thicken it up a little bit, to strengthen it, because I didn't want to do post-tension. I could do post-tension, but I didn't want to. So essentially, I did, like, this uh, triangular beam that runs under the underside and it's pretty cool it's actually really cool but i did that and i always put a little plate on the underside of every custom piece for a client it's an engraved plate has a client's name on it has the date i made it and it's always something i don't tell them i'm doing it it's always a little surprise because i like to do those little surprises for clients but i keep thinking all these years i've been doing that and i've been doing that for 10 years now uh because it's 2012 i started doing that but I was thinking, I want, to, I want to create a little recess, which is easy to do. I want to create a little recess for that plate to go up under. So it's not sitting proud of the concrete on the underside. I want it to tuck up into the concrete. So I cut a piece of plastic I had that was like, you know, eighth inch thick, beveled the edges, put like a 15 degree bevel on it, um, used Super 77, adhered it to the backer form on both tables. And then we poured the, the concrete, which was Maker Mix, and it's tinted black. And by mm-hmm. the way, we'll talk about that because I did a 1% loading of our jet pigment, which is a blend of carbon and oxide, did a 1% loading, and it came out as dark as 10% of our old mix that we used to use back in the day. It's insane. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I did a 2% loading. Um, It's insane how dark it is. That's a whole different subject. But anyways, I pour these two tables. You know, I always underestimate hydraulic pressure. I did again. I thought I had them way short up to where there's no way any concrete's going to start leaking out, but of course it does. And so then I'm running around, you know, like like a madman trying to shore up any spots for concrete's coming out. So, you know, it's, it's the battle that it always is. Pour the tables, get them done. Beautiful. Perfect. Done. Cover them up. Two days. Let them set. Let them cure properly. Demold them, which was yesterday. 
go to demold them, pull off the backer mold of the first piece. No plate. Plate's gone. Where's the plate go? I don't know. Ah, eh, whatever. I mean, the chances of it ending up on the surface are like one in a million, you know? Yeah. It's, it's floating. Happen. Yeah, it's floating and it's plastic. It's floating in the middle of the, the concrete. I mean, this, the specific gravity of that plastic's got to be where it's buoyant in the concrete. So it's just in it, you know, whatever. Demold the second backer mold. That one actually did, did, uh, came out correctly. So the plate was still attached to the form and created the recess, looked nice. And the other crazy thing about the Maker Mix is the underside of the concrete is so clean. It used to be like foamy and um, it's hard to even explain, but unless you'd done the old mix we used to use from Buddy Rhodes and before that from the Forton VF774, but if you ever had a backer mold, it'd always get air, air trapped as it came up and it created like this foamy weirdness on, on the underside. With Maker Mix, it's coming out almost as good as the, the top surface, the other side. It's insane how good it is. It's incredible. And we don't get any of that foam. We don't get any bleed water. We don't get any of that. But anyways, so we flip over at the first table and we roll it and I go stand it up. There's that plastic shim right on the surface. Oh, dead right in the face? Dude, oh. dead flat, dead flat. Like it was like I adhered it to that form. It's insane <laughs> how flat well, it was. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I was like, man, if that thing fell off somewhere in the process... I think the density of the mix would end up just pushing it and leaving it right there. You know, yeah. I think had I vibrated the piece, like shook it a little bit, it would have popped it up and off. But I didn't because we we're having some of those issues where the hydraulic pressure lifted the form slightly right. and concrete was coming out. So I'm like, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna vibrate this at all. I'm not gonna shake it. When I say vibrate, I mean like tap it with a mallet. We're not gonna do any of that, right? But because of that, it just sat there right on the surface. But still, I mean, it's like a one in a million chance it would just settle on the surface. Oh. No concrete's underneath it. It was, it was literally like I did adhered it to the front form. So now I got to remake this table. I haven't contacted the client yet. I've been trying to like figure out how I'm going to tell her that, you know, to break it to her. Yeah. Just send her the picture. (laughs) Just just send her the picture and Hey, I got this one done. Um, Is this what you're looking for? Yeah. She'll probably want it remade. Yeah. So you never know though. Yeah. Maybe she'll turn it into like a specific spot for a, cup holder or something. Yeah. So anyways, that happened, uh, yesterday. So I spent today remaking that form, which, you know, the crazy thing is, you know, the first time you make a form, it takes days and days and days. And then the yeah, second yeah. time you can do it in like two hours. Cause you have your cut list down and all your angles figured out and it's pretty fast. Yeah. So that happened. And then, uh, I had another client that she hit me up and wanted some, uh, dusty Crete samples, which I don't have any of those sitting around. So I had to literally like right before you and I hopped on here, I just got done mixed up maker mix and, uh, threw some dusty creek powder. I just formed up really quickly, six tiles through dusty creek powder, poured maker mix and it flowed. I did an ECC mix, a, a, an SEC ECC. So I have PVA fibers. It flowed mm-hmm. so good. It was mind boggling how good it flowed. My four-year-old was watching she was even blown away and she doesn't even know what she's looking at, but she was like, mm, it's pretty amazing. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea. This is freaking incredible. Daddy, is those with PVA? <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, you touched on something and I, I get quite a few tech calls regarding black, how to create black. black so as concrete. long as we're talking about that for a minute. Yeah. Black concrete. Because people who have used some of the available materials out there, uh, you know, with, from other manufacturers, especially in a white background, black or really dark charcoal is very difficult to accomplish because they get washed out 
throughout the casting and the curing process. Where Maker Mix, now I'm going to take your word for it at this point, because up until our conversation, my fallback was Rad Mix with gray cement to really pull off a black color. But Maker Mix enhances color so much that using the Kodiak Jet, which is a specific combination of oxides, well, just say black pigments, a specific blend of black pigments, is pulling a, a very rich black color in the 2%, 3% loading range. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's insane. It's insane the color density of this mix. A two percent loading of our jet pigment, which jet is a custom blend that we have made of carbon and oxide, but it is optimized to give you the darkest color concrete, the darkest black you can get without weakening the concrete. And so, if you do just straight carbon or you do just straight oxide at high enough levels to get these colors. Both of those are going to result in a weaker concrete. Yeah. But no by question. doing this blend that we've worked on to develop the correct ratio for the blend, by doing this blend, we're getting a really dark, rich charcoal black color at a very low loading. So we're not weakening the concrete. And like I said, I did a 2% loading and it rivals things I was doing, you know, four or five years ago at six, seven, eight, nine percent I mean, I think I even did 10% a few times and it's incredible how dark it is. For anybody who doesn't go this end of concrete and pigments, a big part of that is, you know, we all talk about particle packing, particle packing. So the pigments that are hopefully soon, I, I think, darn it, that was one of my calls I was supposed to make today, huh? Yeah. I forgot to, is we've put together working with a material supplier, a pigment supplier, to put some blends together that also helps to optimize particle packing with the mix, which it will totally enhance color to a, another level besides just the mix doing it on its own. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else, John, what do you got, buddy? Uh, nothing other than I've been getting some cool feedback from, from guys that, you know, finally pulled the trigger on the materials and it's, it's neat to get the feedback from people who I don't know. I'm not going to say they were naysayers, but, you know, as I'll continue, the proof was in the pudding. They finally pull the trigger. They finally get some materials in. And, you know, that's that's when some pretty cool feedback comes back. Like, oh, man, now I see what you were talking about. Uh, one of the guys in Canada who's making vessel sinks. Very excited now because now he's everything you and I talk about in the podcast, he taps on it. A resonance. He, he's never seen that kind of stuff before. The flow he's getting out of the mix, and now he's hitting me on different fiber combinations to create different things. And so uh, that's always exciting. It is. We got some new concrete gangster stickers in, which are pretty amazing, actually. They're really nice that's stickers. Cool. Yeah, we didn't. I, yeah. we didn't cheap out and get like the you know thousand stickers for twenty bucks type things you see advertised on Facebook. So we got really nice stickers, uh, laser cut, they're matte finished stickers, concrete gangster. And I'm going to tell you the only way to get one, they're not for sale. 
The only way to get one is go to the Kodiak Pro Facebook page, which we'll have a link in the description of the podcast, like the Facebook page, and then join the Kodiak Pro discussion group, which you can do right there in the Kodiak page. So you just click on groups up at the top tab on that page and you'll see it. Join that group. And that's where we're going to continue the discussions that we have on this podcast online. So guys can ask questions, guys and gals can ask questions, uh, whether it's Kodiak Pro or any other product, that's fine. Anything concrete related, mold building, mm-hmm. whatever, come on there, ask questions. But um, join up and then we will uh, drop one in the mail to you and uh, send you a Concrete Gangster sticker so you can be a certified Concrete Gangster. We also set, which is, I don't know if we, t- again, it's been like two weeks since we did a podcast. My, my memory yeah. is gone, but we finally scheduled the open studio day for Monday, February 28th. So anybody listening yeah. that maybe isn't ready to pull the trigger on coming to the Pinnacle Concrete Workshop, which we, we've also scheduled that as well. That's going to be the week prior. That's the week before. Yeah, yeah. so that's February 21st to the 26th, and uh, that's on ConcreteDesignSchool.com. But maybe you're not ready to, to take the more advanced training. You just want to try Kodiak Pro. You want to see if it's the right mix for you. You want to learn how to mix it properly, how to pour it properly, how to cure and seal it, but you're not ready for the advanced techniques. We're doing an open house, um, a demo day. So you can come down, or open studio. You can come down here on, on that day from like nine until the evening. And we're going to do demonstrations. We'll answer your questions. We'll, uh, you know, do some, some uh, cooking around a fire, some hot dogs and whatnot, and have some cold beers and just have a good time. And you can meet me and John and get your hands in the mix and see if it's the right thing for you. So that's going to be Monday, February 28th. And to sign up for that, you'll go to the KodiakPro.com website click on shop and it's going to be on the shop page. So you'll see the open studio and it's a hundred dollars per person and you'll get a t-shirt and some other cool stuff. So yeah, it'd be a good time. Well, plus you're coming after a week of workshops. So you may see some uh, cool pieces that were made during that period of time. Exactly. But the only downside is you're going to catch me and John totally exhausted because after training for a right. week, it's like doing Iron Man. So we'll be, uh, We'll be sitting in chairs with our feet up most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it'll be a really good time. I'm excited to do it. So yeah, really excited. What else, man? What else other than um, excited to talk to Martin and Ashley, right? Isn't that who we're giving a call to? Yeah. Martin Haddock and Ashley O'Neill, I believe, right? Is her last name? Yeah. Yeah. So Martin and, and Ashley are, are distributors for Kodiak Pro in the UK, which a lot of people already know. And apparently our competitors already know because they've reached out to them trying to discourage them from working with us. Isn't that which, crazy? Dude, it Let's drives talk me, about that. Yeah, let, let me talk about that. It drives me nuts. And here's okay. why. It's like, we're all adults here and you're really going to call somebody up and try it like you're their dad. You know, let me, let me warn you. Yeah. Let me warn you about these guys. Warn you about these two boys. Yeah, you <laughs> you don't want to be associated with these troublemakers. Really? Or something. Really? We've had a lot of feedback from the UK trying to get materials over there in, you know, kind of in a onesie, twosie kind of fashion or, you know, a half pallet here or a few bags of this. So, you know, the next move is going to be should really be helpful for the for customers and looking for looking to move this direction in the United Kingdom. Yeah. If not all of Europe, aren't they going to be doing all of Europe? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I think they'll, I mean, I've been to Europe, but I couldn't, 
I don't know. I don't know how it works. You know, the whole Brexit thing and trade over there, it's, I don't even know. So we'll ask him about that when we talk to him. Right. But what I was going to say is, you know, this last week as well, the possible Israeli distributor is still, we're, we're still working on that. So we'll see what happens. Right. And I actually got an email, which I didn't share with you because we haven't, everybody's been tied up with the holidays, but I received an email from a customer in Israel that wants to uh, purchase from that distributor if we end up moving forward with it. Uh, and then we're working on another distributor in South Africa, which would be insane. So anybody in South Africa listening, if you are interested in getting Kodiak Pro product, let us know. We'll add you yeah. to the list. And if this distributorship moves forward, we can connect you and, uh, and then you'll be able to purchase Kodiak Pro in South Africa and, you know, still working on Australia. So Kodiak Pro is going worldwide. We should change the name to Kodiak Pro Worldwide. There you go. Yeah. Kodiak Pro International? No. Worldwide. No, just worldwide. 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 You got to say worldwide. it like three times. You got to whisper it. Worldwide. There you go. Yeah. Don't that's do that. that. That's like saying Candyman five no, times not. in the mirror. It's not even close to that. <laughs> it's from Step Brothers. If you ever saw it's the movie. Not. Yeah. <clears throat> no. Oh. I always reference movies and you've never seen any of them. No. You, I don't know. Maybe I just don't. If it's not like, you know, Batman and superheroes and I don't know, you know, Marvel, DC. I don't even know. Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, and and that the forty nine. <laughs> forty nine shades of gray. It's that last one that puts me over. No, the Australia thing's definitely moving forward. Uh there's no question about Australia. Those guys the the biggest issue with Australia, even for the next coming month, is Australia's still in a pretty serious lockdown yeah. based on what's going on. Yeah. So right after the first of the year. There should be quite a bit of the Kodiak-based material headed that direction. In the last two days, we've had five registrations for the Spring 22 Concrete uh, Design School Pinnacle. Yeah, five registrations. It's it's crazy. So there was, uh, I think, a lot of pent-up demand. A lot of people weren't able to make the last class we did, but they're signing up for the the Spring one. So if you're interested in that, go to ConcreteDesignSchool.com. You can register there. People be ready. The uh, some Kodiak pigments should be hitting here pretty soon. Yep. And so that'll be good. The I know the guys up in Canada have been hitting me pretty hard about that. So that'll be cool. Yeah. And you know what I just heard today? Remember, it was just a minute ago we were talking about uh, fiber shortages. Yep. So I think Nikon may have been restocked. I can't remember. One of us. I think they said they wouldn't be till mid quarter. But I was just talking to one of the guys in in Alaska today who said, oh, no, he just ordered like, I don't know, two 50-pound boxes, and they shipped it out immediately. Cool. So That's good to hear. I'm going to have to check up on that. Yeah, because I was actually talking to Joe Bates, who turned around. In fact, I had to <laughs> – I think I said that one. I actually got a little upset with him. He called and, like, cleaned out every Reynolds on the West Coast <laughs> to, to get him materials. I'm like, come on, man. I leave some for somebody else. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's on my call list probably tomorrow to make sure that, that they've gotten restocked. Yeah. Hey, I know something I want to talk about because it came up with a question with a guy I was talking to earlier this week, and that was liquid polymers in mix. And he's still using liquid polymer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of liquid polymers for a lot of reasons. No. But yeah. let me, before I'm I even go a, into, not a fan. into why I don't like liquid polymer, but before I say that, I have at least five five-gallon pails of Buddy Rhodes Liquid Polymer Plus have not been opened. If anybody wants those, I'll make you a hell of a deal. Reach out to me. 
Hell of a deal. Because <laughs> otherwise you're going to go in the trash can. Liquid polymer foams the concrete. It introduces yeah. air. There's so many things that it does. Do you want to discuss the downsides of any liquid polymer? It doesn't matter what the brand is. Why you don't want to use liquid polymer? Yeah. Well, there's a lot about the, I shouldn't call it misinformation because again, kudos to the people who put the ASTM things together for GFRC and, you know, put a lot of the information out there for, I'm going to say the right reasons, meaning, you know, they built a business around it, right? So kudos to them. You know, I've been on the development end when, you know, Blue Concrete, Buddy Roads Products worked with a specific company developing the Liquid Polymer Plus. That was even a quite an education for me. Meaning when I saw or, you know, worked with the chemist and everything that went into the liquid polymer, that's when I really started turning my nose at it. You know, um, the surfactant technologies that, that has to go into it. It's not just like the plastic, meaning the acrylic polymer that's put in there, the water, the antibacterials, right? I mean, right, Brandon, haven't you, haven't we all had some of that sit around long enough? that you open it one day and it just smells like absolute garbage yeah. because the anti, yeah, the, it has gone, has quit working. Yeah. The antimicrobial. Um, so when I was in Phoenix, Tempe, Arizona, I used to buy it direct from ball consulting and they would just down pack it from a tote they had in the five gallon pails and I'd pick it up. I'd either buy a drum, a 55 gallon drum or I'd buy a five gallon pail. Yeah. It, it didn't take long for it sitting sealed sitting and i think it was part of it was the down packing but it's just they said that the antimicrobial has a pretty short life in the polymer and then once it wears off once it's whatever half-life it goes away or whatever it is uh once that happens then bacteria starts to grow rapidly in that acrylic and so i would open up a, a pail that never been opened before and it would smell like death like pure death and I would call yep. Hiram and he's like, ah, oh, it's fine. You know, it still works the same. It's just the microbial has gone bad. You know, well, can I add more to it? Eh, not really. It's not going to do anything. You know, just use it. It's not going to hurt the concrete. But it's like, ugh. You know, it's just, it was, it was horrible. No, so some of the things on the, on the list. So number one, those things actually retard cement hydration. The idea of it creating the film to trap moisture. Well, that, that is all true. But what they don't discuss is the downside, that it actually retards cement hydration. So it, to a degree, it weakens the concrete. So anybody listening to it right now, and I, oh, John doesn't know, it doesn't weaken the concrete. It increases its strength. It increases its tensile ability. Like, no, no, no. But those strengths aren't coming from the, the concrete itself. It's coming from the plastic that you're actually putting into it. I think, Brandon, even you've talked about it, right? When you put a certain amount of acrylic, there becomes a level of that acrylic where it starts taking on the acrylic dynamic and no longer the cement hydration, meaning the crystalline form of the concrete. And that's what happens over time when, when you're adding these plastics in they really, they are not made for concrete at all. They weaken it. They lower the cement hydration. Yeah. They foam it. Yeah, they they're, they're really should not be used. Now, let me clarify that. Should not be used if you're trying to create a high-quality concrete mix 
and you want to stand behind that. That's just the reality. And people can snub their nose at me all day long, but the reality is the reality. And my easiest way of doing that, just as we just talked about black, I challenge, I'll put it out there. I challenge, run a 2% jet loading in Maker Mix, which does not include a liquid polymer. And then you take your basic 50-50 polymer loaded with the same amount of pigment and you cast them, cure them, put them next to each other. And then you tell me which one is going to look like you'd want to be purchasing. Yeah, I agree. Well, the other thing about the liquid polymer is it's not freeze-thaw stable. You know, some of them out there will say, well, it can freeze once. Really? Yeah. Once, but not twice. Okay. So some of them say that, but in all honesty, they're not freeze-thaw stable. The liquid plasticizers, which most guys are using with those mixes, again, are not freeze-thaw stable. So Maker Mix... Well, and the same thing, they lose their strength Exactly. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So Maker Mix and TBP, both powders, both you can ship them to Siberia. Both right. are going to mix up just fine. It doesn't matter. So that's another benefit. Well, too. the TBP you can have in your shop for a hundred years. Oh, a hundred yeah, years. It's, yeah. it's not as long as it doesn't get wet. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say is, and again, this is going off a conversation I had with Hiram a long, long, long time ago. So I might be messing it up a little bit, but uh, per my recollection of this conversation with Hiram, was the whole idea of the polymer when they first started playing with that in the 70s when they were developing GFRC was alkali-resistant glass did not exist at that point because that was a whole new idea of putting glass fibers in concrete. So they were using e-glass, traditional fiberglass. But the concrete itself was attacking the glass. The alkaline environment was degrading the glass. And so they used polymer to offset that reaction with the e-glass, and they had to dose the polymer at a very, very high level to get that uh, alkaline environment to not attack the glass. So the glass would, would still give strength to the concrete. That was the original intent and the original reason that VF774 was loaded at such a high rate. Because when I first started doing GFRC, the mix design that Hiram gave me, it was incredible how much polymer I put in that mix. That's what Hiram said, is like, this is the reason we did that, is because air glass didn't exist. You know, air glass came about later in time, but it wasn't around at that point. So these days, that type of polymer, and especially the loadings they used to do, uh, isn't necessary because we have fibers that are made specifically for concrete that didn't exist at that time when they were doing that. True. No, yeah. that's all true. Yeah. And if I remember, <clears throat> it's 15%. I believe it's at the loading of 15% and beyond is when you'll take on the characteristic of the polymer and any amount of cement hydration is pretty much nil. Yeah. So you just so if you're casting in that range, you're essentially just casting a plastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like guys doing, you know, uh terrazzo floors, which is pretty much just a little bit of cement, a ton of epoxy right. and, and chips, you know, but it's an mm-hmm. epoxy floor. That's what it is. It's got some cement mixed into it, but it's an epoxy floor. You know, it's not it's not concrete. So yeah, so that's that's liquid polymers. And so if any guys out there, and like I said, the reason I bring it up is because I had a conversation with a guy earlier this week about liquid polymer and the problems he's having, and I was telling him, you know, I mean, that technology did come about in the 1970s. Well, it's 2022. Right. So we're talking 50 years ago. This technology, half century ago, is when this came about. So here we are today. You don't need to use something that's 50-year-old technology. We have something that's way better. You know, we have something that was better than what was around two years ago, a year ago. Here is the absolute best product on the market. Well, I'd be interested to see, I don't know who, but who would even be training 
based on those kind of mixes anymore. It doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, I don't know. We didn't talk about training, um, but he's buying it from a supplier that has a whole system that's based around a liquid polymer. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. so that doesn't that, make any sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense because that product supplier is not a manufacturer. They're repackaging a liquid polymer. They're just saying, well, you know, this works. And yeah, it works. A lot of things work. This is what we're talking about sanders the other day. Is like, yeah, I mean, this sander will sand the wood, but until you use a Festool sander, you don't know what the difference is. You have to have that perspective. No, that's true. I, I, I literally had that on, a, on an Australian forum yeah. where I used that comparison. And the comparison was a DeWalt sander versus a Festool sander. They're both sanders. And depending on what spectrum you're on, look, you know, the DeWalt sander may work perfectly good for you. But there's a reason why Festool exists. That is a professional grade sander that's built around people that want to use it in a professional grade. Along that same conversation is the DeWalt's not trying to compete against the Festool and Festool's not trying to compete against DeWalt. They're on, you know, they satisfy a need on either end of the spectrum. I guess the reality is a person just has to ask themselves what they're happy using. And that doesn't make it bad. If yeah. the if the DeWalt works for you, hey man, kudos to you. And if the Fest tool is, you know, the end of the spectrum that you want to be on, well then, you know, get the Fest tool. Well, here's here's where we kind of run uh head first into that is people are saying, why should I use Kodiak Pro when this product works, right? And it'd be the same people that say, why would I buy a Festool sander if this DeWalt works? And it's only when you have a frame of reference that you understand. If you've never used the Festool and all of you use is DeWalt, it'll never make sense to you. You're like, what? You know, this DeWalt's 60 bucks. That one's 450 or 500 dollars. How could they're that like possibly? They're like 650 now, okay, man. Well, they're like yeah, 650 bucks. It's nuts. Yeah. They go up 10% every year or something. Yeah. But whatever it is, 650. So it's 10 times more. How's that? worth 10 of these and you're like you know right. there's no way until yeah. you use one and you're like oh okay i get it and i have to buy their their proprietary pads to go with it but those pads work awesome if i try to take these ones that i got at lowe's and put them on here it's, i'm not going to get the same finish right so it's a whole system based around a certain level of quality and craftsmanship that the end user requires for their pieces kodiak pro is the same as that and so some guy using some you know analog Cold War, Soviet era concrete mix, yeah, it's going to get hard. It's going to hold a plate up. It's not going to fall through. But the level of quality and craftsmanship and strength and tensile strength and color fastness and all those things, stain resistance, that's the difference. That's the difference between DeWalt and Festool. That's the difference between Crapcrete and Kodiak Pro. You know, they're just two different ends of a spectrum. And it depends, like you said, where do you want to be on that spectrum? Do you want to make... Crappy concrete? Well, great. There's a thousand products out there hey, where you can get absolutely. That, that aesthetic, you know? Well, it's like, it's, you know, when I tell people, we talk about whatever. You want to be the $5 electrician? Look, there'll be plenty of people to hire you for five bucks an hour. There's yeah. no question about it. Do you want to be the $105 electrician? Well, guess what? There's going to be an end of people that are going to pay that and hire you, which based on this conversation, you just hit me on something or just came to mind. So. Martin and Ashley are going to be distributors in the United Kingdom. Martin's clearly been in business for a while. He's clearly used other materials. 
So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hit him on that question alone. What, you know, what made him reach out to us? Yeah. Seriously. That's a serious question in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can theorize on the answer to that. And I think it's the reason anybody makes the switch is because they want to do the best they can do. And, you know, up until just recently, this Kodiak Pro wasn't on the market. And so you were doing the best you could do at that point in time because this wasn't there. But now here's this. And this is the absolute best. And so if that's what you want to do, that's where you want to be, that's the spectrum you want to live on, then that's the product you can use. So if I had to guess why Martin contacted us to be a distributor, it's because he wants to make the absolute best product he can possibly make. That's why I would do it. If I was him, if I was in the UK, and I'm like, yeah, dude, I mean, yeah, I've used whatever product for this many years. I'm ready to move on to the next thing because there's a better product out there. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, right on. Let's give him a call. Yeah, let's get Martin on the phone. All right. All right. Our guest today is Martin Haddock and Ashley of, what's the name of your supply company? Designer Concrete Supplies. Designer Concrete Supplies in the UK. And they're going to be the distributor for all Kodiak Pro and ICT products for the UK. So welcome, Martin and Ashley. Yeah, Welcome. Thank Hi, thanks much. for having us. You guys are going to be the uh, distributor for Kodiak Pro products. So tell us about your business. I mean, I know you've been in the business for, for quite a while now and how you got into concrete and why you're transitioning to doing product supply. Yeah, so we started in the business six years ago, nearly seven years ago now. It was originally my dad that started the company. He's a He was a high-end builder for 40 years since he left school at 17. Now, essentially, he wanted someone else to do and he saw concrete on a tv show in the uk and it started from there shall we say now he started in business with somebody else on a in his garage that went to a little tiny storage container and he had a couple of fire tables to do or fire pits we call them over there and he asked me if i'd like to get involved and help him and at that time i was working in office never done any diy never used a hammer or a saw genuinely and i said yeah i'll come and help more out of necessity in the beginning because it was not a very well-paid job in the future, you know, kind of um, glass ceiling. And it kind of grew from there in regards to I came on board, just happened to love it. Uh, well, be very passionate about it. And we've kind of grown it together, you know, my dad and I, and obviously Ashley as well, to what it is today. And Ashley's been on board since the beginning too, supporting us with business advice and you know, accountancy advice because that's her background. So I'll let Ashley tell you a little bit about how she became involved. So Martin's dad, as say Martin said, he had the idea originally. And Martin was like, yeah, I'm going to go help out my dad. You know, I want to do something a bit different. And it went from being help out my dad to falling down a rabbit hole of concrete. <laughs> and he literally every spare minute after work, weekends, even when he was at home, he just was either reading, making, or researching concrete. So it's been it's been pretty um intense. Yeah, pretty intense. Yeah. Um, but it's actually been quite interesting for me. Obviously, I'm from an accountancy background, so I'm not I've not had the chance to ever really be creative, but understanding how certain mixes work 
well and other things work better and the chemistry behind it just getting a glimpse of that it you know it's really fascinating so but my role's mainly been the accountancy and business background um and just help them grow the business so and we've been yep. fortunate to carry on growing the business year on after year yeah i think it's it's the passion for the industry and what we do is the reason we've been able to grow it as quick as we have you know quick is obviously relative we're going obviously from like small garage to a storage container to a farm to the two workshops are in now and again we're moving next year to an even bigger space you know it's a testament to the work from all three of us really as a team as i like to say to people in that trimberate famous old um greek greek saying is it or latin saying so that's very much how i see the three of us I have passion for concrete. My dad's got, you know, immense building knowledge and experience. And actually, he's got the business acumen. So the, together, the three of us, we make quite a formidable team, I like to think. Well, how long have you been doing the concrete, Martin? Um, I, mean, I mean, sorry, yeah, six, six years now for, for my dad and I. In probably a year longer, say seven for him. Yeah, not not as long as other people, but in that six, you know, six years, we've crammed a lot of concrete in a lot of... A lot of highs and you know a lot of lows you know as anybody in the will tell you it's not all you know triumphs there are many recasts thousands of pounds is wasted on training to be quite frank materials and yeah. well, you know but you both know how that feels after you know 18 20 years in the industry nope it's <laughs> i've been riding right along man sitting on the cloud never made a mistake uh. <laughs> that's awesome <clears throat> no, good for you. So, uh, as part of this, right? We, I think, in the in the last podcast, we introduced you guys as being, you know, the future of Kodiak and ICT in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for six years, so you've clearly got a background using other materials. I mean, I, I think I've even talked to a couple people over there who who referred to you as their mentor, I believe. I can't remember their name now, but referred to you as a mentor. So, I mean, what made you decide, other than, you know, you and me chatting on some of the Facebook pages Mm -hmm. and stuff, what gave you guys the inspiration, one, creating the, the, what do you call it, designer concrete? Supplies. What is the business? designer concrete supplies what i mean what's inspiring you to move this direction and then incorporating i mean brandon and i because kodiak ict is more than just the brand i mean (laughs) you get the uh wonderful brandon gore and john schuler to come with it so what's brought you this direction so originally to be honest it just started from once we find products that we really really do find work or make you know uh, one of the best in the industry we we just think why not make it available to everyone else i think so many people are constantly trying and trying and testing new different ways and there'll always be new ideas and old ideas that are being tested out but it's endless hours that you can spend doing that and we've we've been there and we've done it ourselves and for that reason being given the opportunity to become a supplier and to help others in the industry it you know it's just as wonderful as making the concrete in, in some respects so yeah that that was kind of our goal in mind to, to kind of expand a little and actually he's trying to say so essentially 
we've always been like a photon based GFRC um, mix. Now okay. we have dabbled in ECC mixes or say homebrew UHPC mixes. Now the problem with that is, as you've alluded to on the podcast before, you're ordering materials and different materials from so many different suppliers. And you have to have all of that on the shelf ready to go, especially when you use, you know, so say two mix designs, you have GFRC and ECC. So you're taking up lots of room, spending lots of time getting those materials in separate places, even if they haven't been stocked, especially at the moment. And really you're creating a, a subpar kind of product because you are essentially well from our point of view anyway you know six years in the industry is a, a decent amount of time but it's still a lot of learning to do when obviously you know we were speaking on on the facebook forums john and obviously mm-hmm. you were mentioning about brandon's mix and how you you know you were getting involved and we brought over makers mix last year and we used it and we loved it and then obviously you know rad mix came out came about I'm sorry a minute, some little boys just coming in here. Sorry, one second. Sorry about that. Way up and running around. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, man. sorry. Um, but yeah, so um, where was I? So essentially, the, the reasons for Kodiak, that's the question I'm getting asked all the time. Why why Kodiak? Why now? Why not, you know, stick to what you've been doing for six years? And the, the reason is, you know, because we don't have to have now multiple different products on the shelf. So we're saving space, we're saving time. And also, like you said, the brand of Kodiak isn't just the materials it's you to. It's having that experience where if something goes wrong, like John, you know, this job I'm having to replace at the moment, the big island top, I crack in, I'm messaging John about the mix that we're using, you know, our own GFRC mix, saying, what's, you know, can you give me an indication of what's happened here? And as much as obviously you're helping and you have helped, that technical knowledge of the mix I'm using, you know, I don't expect to have that. Whereas if it was, say, you know, say I made a, made a mistake of Radmix or ICT, you know, I can come to you guys and say, what have I done here? Let's, you know, how do I fix this? It's having that background from you two as well, who, you know, are manufactured like us, which I think is really important in this industry, that the materials are made by manufacturers for manufacturers, rather than obviously another company that's either, you know, taking a material from another industry or, you know, and repackaging it. Oh, you know, essentially they're just salesmen. They've never really made much concrete before themselves. So I think that's really important. Well, and you're taking a step on your side too. Didn't you tell me that you were, unless I misunderstood, you're actually getting somebody to blend the sands. So you're not just going to have the rad mix available for those people, you know, you're going to have, because you and I have had the discussion on which sands. So you're going to have that blended as well and available for people. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we've got the, the the two sands and the cement is being put into a bag by a supplier over in the UK. So if people do want to buy a rad mix, then it's as simple as, you know, to them having to go and source the sand and the cement separately, they can just buy that, you know, in the bag, ready to go from us. So, you know, it makes it easier for them. The biggest thing for me was always, from an environmental point of view mainly, shipping makers mix to the uk is fine if somebody wants it but from an environmental perspective shipping sand and cement which we have here already you know in the uk and europe from america to the uk it just didn't sit well with me environmentally so now having that ability to have a mix you know that we can supply the sand and cement from over here to me environmentally that's you know the best option and also as well i think you hit on it in a previous podcast it's that ability to change the mix yourself if you want to tweak things you know if you wanted to replace part of the sand with glass or whatever, I don't know. Um, it's having that ability to do that. That's for me as well, quite exciting. 
because I do, I'm a bit, not on your level, John, but I am a bit of a tinkerer. I do like to play around and just mess about. And I think the Rad Mix gives you the ability to do that. You know, I wanted to hit on something that you said is people are asking you, why Kodiak Pro? Why now? Why don't you stick with what you're using? And that just seems insane to me because what you were using, the Forton and the Silica Fume and VCast and whatever else you've been using, that technology is literally 50 years old. Well, the other problem with Forton as well is it's a shelf life. It's stored. It's free store. It's at the moment in my workshop, it's in the morning can be around I don't know, one degree Celsius. So I'm not sure what that is in, in Fahrenheit. I think it's like a thousand really... degrees Fahrenheit. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot it's how like... to do the math. It's like 1,000 <laughs> minus times 42. Squared pi. <laughs> the conversion. Yeah. It's so cold. You know, you, you, you are, when it drops down sometimes to below, you know, below freeze, and you are kind of worried about the free store cycle, the polymer, genuinely, especially in a cold workshop next to a cold wall. Um, you know, so you have got that problem as well. And also, you know, we have a, an IBC worth of polymer storage as well. It's a it's a nightmare, especially in the small spaces that we have at the moment. You know, just having that ability then to have a you know bag on the shelf that we can just take off, open it. You know, it's it to me that's from a business point of view as well, and also you know staff point of view. Saying to a staff member, can you go and get me twenty bags off the shelf? You know, twenty buckets of water, some fibers, pigment, rather than right here's a list of. 15 different ingredients don't make any mistake because you'll mess the entire mix up good luck yeah you know and then not having to check all those things and double check you know where it's like wasting your time and doing that because at the end of the day i should have just done the job myself rather than telling them to do it and then double check on what they've done yeah so you well know, the other problem it. with the Forton, which i've experienced many times is the um antimicrobial to put in there goes bad it, right. it, it has a pretty short life and so i would get Forton. And I would open it up, you know, it's out on my shelf and I'd call Hiram Ball and he'd be like, no, nah, it's fine. You know, you haven't opened it. It's still good. Open it up. And it was the worst smell in the world. And he's like, ah, he's like, yeah, it smells like rotten eggs, but it still works fine. That's just antimicrobial. Well, that was actually funny. I was just talking to you. I mean, now we're, we're on smell for a second. Literally someone who just picked up their first palette of Maker Mix in Canada. One, you know, I think it was his third or fourth comment. First of all, he's incredibly pumped about the new things he's making, you know, how they sound, you know, he, all the things we've talked about in the podcast. He's now he's a true believer. He taps on it. He gets a resonance. He's never heard of that kind of stuff before in, in the problem. But what I laughed about is he wrote me back a comment like, oh, and I forgot to tell you, every time I walk in and walk past that palette, he goes, it smells amazing. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Dude. <clears throat> Since we're focused on smell. Did I, I guess it's been like a couple of weeks cause we had Thanksgiving, but I, did I tell on the podcast about how a grinder wheel exploded and nearly took my leg off? Did I tell anybody about that. Yeah. But yeah. I, did I tell on a podcast. Yeah. No, you yeah. messaged me about that. She sent me a message showing me where it happened. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't tell on a podcast. So I'll tell it here real quick. So I was using in class, the class asks, what do I grind the back of the concrete with? And I've always used a silicon carbide grinding wheel, which are like two inches thick, which we'll have to do the conversion. I think it's like a thousand millimeters. I'm not sure. But it's like two inches thick. And I've used those for, again, 20 years. They're used for granite. And so I took it out. It sat out, out on the shelf or out on a table for the whole week during the class. And I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming at some point maybe it got bumped off a table, fell on the ground, I got picked back up, whatever. Um, so after the class, I take one of the chairs out. I'm going to grind some of the, the concrete where we poured from, and I'm going to put it outside. I start grinding. I'm only grinding for about three seconds, and the wheel explodes, and it's at knee height because I laid the chair over on the side. 
explodes and just nails me right in the side of my kneecap. And it's like getting hit with like a baseball thrown at maximum speed right in your knee. And uh, it was, dude, I'll never use one of those again in my life. Like, even though for 20 years nothing happened, I'm not ever using one again because it was violent. And I'm still, I got to go probably get an MRI on my knees. Something's going on. But anyways, so my guy Aiden, he's this young kid. He's 20 years old. Really nice. He comes out. He heard the explosion. He was inside working with his headphones. And he comes out. He like looks at me. I'm laying on the ground holding my knee. And he starts to walk back inside. I'm like, bro, <laughs> get over here. So he comes over. I was like, dude, I need some help up. He's like, yeah, I was kind of wondering what that sound was. <laughs> so anyways, Aiden, who I love, but he's fairly new. We were doing some mix, uh, I don't know, three days ago, four days ago. And he cut up in the bags. He's like, dude, this smells like pancake batter. I'm like, yes, it does. Yeah, I told him, you have no idea. You have no idea how bad it used to smell back in the day. And still does for a lot of guys that are still using those products. Maker Mix smells wonderful. It smells, it's between pancake batter and blueberries. It's amazing. That's funny you it's mentioned. It's the magic. Music. Yeah, we used Maker's to cue back to ECC and the smell is like dead fish. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse. And you haven't used it a great deal, to be perfectly honest. But when you've done a few, a few sinks and the client's like, um... There's a weird smell coming from the, the, the sink under the cabinet. Do you, can you, do you know what it is? And you're thinking, yeah, that'll go away eventually. But, <laughs> but it um, does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I kind of put me off using it completely at the time. You know, anybody that lives next to That's a paper mill or a paper factory, they get used to the smell. Yeah. That's what really happens. It doesn't go away. When you have guests over, they're like, who took a dump in the bathroom and didn't turn a fan on? That's what they're thinking, right? <laughs> but you're used to it. You walk in there like, I don't smell anything. What's that? I don't know. You know, it smells fine to me. But everybody else does. So if you guys are using... ECC from another company, just be aware. You get used to it, but other people don't. And so, just so you know. Right on. Well, we're excited, Martin. How about you? Know, off, uh, pancakes and you uh, taking a dump in the bathroom. And not turning <laughs> a fan on for the worst. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I think I told you this before, I mean, Brandon and I were really excited when you got a hold of us mm-hmm. and mentioned that this is a direction you were trying to go. I mean, as you know, we had quite a few other people contact us, which with your input and your experience, we were really excited to come your direction. But where are you going? Um, You're moving to a new shop. That's something you were telling us about. What's going on with that? Yeah, so we are in what I call the moment, two shoeboxes. So about 150 square meters of space, about 1,500 square feet. Not very big. They are both in in a corner, so it's not like an open, long, narrow space. It's literally uh, two corners, and so not ideal, really, for for creating big, you know, high-end pieces of concrete. So we've been looking for a while for a new workshop space, but as it always is in the place that we live, space is limited or it's really expensive. And it just so happens that driving past these workshops who have been done up, stopped in, and the gentleman said, oh, yeah, these are up for rent. Uh, 3,000 square feet is one of them. So he said, you know, if you're interested, call this number. And we did. And really, it's kind of gone from there. So the the direction of the business now is, so when I said I worked in an office previously, I did. And then I left there after nine years. And I went and did strength and conditioning training with athletes, personal training. Now, the reason I bring that up is I really enjoy helping people, really enjoy watching people grow from the advice that I give them. And the ability that we'll have now from our new space that we'll be able to do our courses too. So the course side of the company is called the Concrete Club. So I'm a big fan of the 80s, very big fan of the 80s. Mm. And 
it's kind of a take on the Breakfast Club and the logo itself is like neons and pink and blue and a bit in your face and ostentatious. And it's just for my love of the 80s in general, even though I was born in 89 and I missed that era, sadly. Um, but yeah, the, the new shop space gives the ability to train people, which for me as well is, I think it's incredibly important to train people from a manufacturing point of view, because I feel, and I've, I've held this opinion since really since day one, I think you know, 80%, 90% of the course in our industry in the UK, Europe, and also I see over in the States is, you know, done by people that are really just doing a course to sell a product. And, you know, it gives people the knowledge of using that product in a very small shop setting, not necessarily in the real world, you know, earning money, you know, as you guys full well know with the course that you you, you teach over there, the Concrete Design School. So, yeah, um, really excited to be a TV training people next year. Like, genuinely excited for that. And it's going to be fun as well, showing people the products, you know, Kodiak and ICT, showing people those products on the course in real world settings with proper pieces. You know, we're not talking about, you know, making a breadboard. Generally, we're going to be showing it on, you know, big, silly pieces because obviously that's what we're well known for. We like a challenge and I'd like to show people, you know, how we go about, you know, tackling those challenges and how we use the materials that we have now to um, undertake that challenge and why we think those materials are the best um, to, you know, to to bring out the, you know, the best outcome with that project. And then Ashley, you're doing all the finances or the accounting. Yeah. And obviously as well, um, sort of the, the business development, um, we do partner with uh, a couple of other companies um, that we kind of have specifically chosen to partner with to sell products through them. Sorry, I still lost the trail of thought. That was my fault. <laughs> That's all right. I was like, where is she going with this? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, well, Ashley, I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. I know you guys, at least according to Martin, you guys got contacted from some other people that didn't have the best things to say about us. Some other one way or other another. product suppliers that were trying to discourage you yeah. from selling Kodiak Pro. But what from the financial aspects of it, you know, how does that make sense? How does Kodiak Pro make sense for you in the UK? I guess for us, just knowing that we use it ourselves. So number one, it helps that we're the supplier. <laughs> you know, that's not going to hurt us. Um, we know it works. Yeah. But knowing that we we are trying to grow and promote the industry here in the UK and across Europe and we're trying to do that by supporting other people helping other people it makes sense for us to also then offer these products and say hey not only are we selling these and you know you can buy them from us but we are a manufacturer we have been through everything we get everything that you've either gone through already or that you get going to face in the future um we want to make that journey a lot more you know a little bit more easier and um enjoyable by saying this is this is a really great product you know these products you can rely upon them and they're going to work so for us yeah we've been approached in the past and we've considered things Maybe it was timing in the past that we just didn't feel it was right. Maybe we we didn't we didn't feel that we maybe had enough of a voice to possibly promote the products enough. You know, there's a lot of other suppliers in the UK, um, and there's a lot of other products. But for us, I think it, we were waiting for the right time and the right products. And I think that that's definitely now. I think Martin's 
become so well known across social media and all the different forums and things. Um, all for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly have got to know people in a weird way through Martin speaking about them. So there's so many people who are around the world that Martin speaks to, you know, quite often. And then I kind of get to know these people through Martin. And it's, it's lovely. It really is, really is nice. The concrete industry, it's so niche. But yeah, it's so big, and you know, in a lot of respects. So knowing that we get to have those connections, we get to help each other and we get to pass it forward. It, you know, so it goes hand in hand with the manufacturing, the supplies and also the training that we're going to be offering. Yeah. So this, from our point of view, you know, the financial investment to start um, or rather expand the supply company. It, see, in our business, for me, Ashley and my dad support me, you know, 100%. If I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the ideas man at all because they have great ideas too, but I will basically say, you know, this is a new material from John and Brandon. You know, I've used it. I like it. I want to sell it over here. I want to, you know, that's what it's all been about for me. Finding materials and things that I really like and believe in and then promoting them. You know, just as a basic example, you know, a craft gun, that's the gun I, you know, believe is the best for spraying GFRC miscoat, you know, and to then have that ability now to actually have a product that I am actually using, I am actually, you know, selling to clients, you know, very high-end clients, as we've always believed in, now having the ability to actually show people how to use it, you know, show people, um, you know, what they can do with it, you know, the things that, you know, uh, sorry, how they can grow a business with it. To me, that's pretty exciting. So I, I don't really see the financial element of it. I don't see the risk. I always just think I will make it work because I'm very determined. So whereas, whereas Ashley is kind of, yeah, the numbers, you know, the numbers have to make sense to Ashley and I respect that. But it often it often leads to me saying, trust me, you know, we I will make it work. We will make it work as a team. But the thing is, as Ashley alluded to, because we've got, you know, the manufacturing side of the business, the supply and obviously the training, you know, they all go hand in hand with the direction we're taking the company in future. So in in a, in a weird way, and it's never been done like this, is kind of mimicking what you have done over there, Brandon and John. You know, you got hard goods, you got company design school, you got ICT. You know what you've done. You know, let's be honest. When 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 we start in this industry, you guys, you know, and Dusty and the likes of those, you know, you are big names to us when we start out. You know, we want to, you know, we want to emulate what you do. And you alluded to it in a podcast, Brandon, about design. To begin with, you kind of like see what, you know, Futong Cheng did or Brandon Gore or Buddy Rhodes, you know, John Shuler, you know, Dusty Baker, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you think, I'm going to do that. I'm going to copy that. You know, and in terms of, you know, the business aspect of it, where you've got your products, you've got your business and you've got your course, your material supply, you know, the best materials. That's something that I suppose subconsciously I've always wanted to replicate in the uk because it wasn't offered over here you know the uk and europe as it is in america with you guys you know so um i think it's just been a you know the right fit at the right time for us as well where are you guys at i mean i, I was just asking brandon here the other day <clears throat> are your materials on the way yet i mean i know you, which don't get me wrong ashley you dealt with me <laughs> what you guys are dealing over there in the, in the uk is an absolute shit show Maybe not, because you, you you had to talk me off the ledge, right? I you up, like, what the heck yeah. I'd be out there stomping and yeah, knocking you, on yeah. someone's door. Yeah, but, you um, be worried. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man. So yeah, it, it was supposed to deliver last week. And then I got all these weird emails. So anyway, the, the, I know sealer just arrived, I think to you guys, was it today or yesterday? This morning. Yeah, today, this morning yeah. Yes. Yeah. We got the, we got the rest of the shipment today. So yeah. So really it's almost exciting. a week late. Jeez. Yeah. Which, you know, it's our first shipment coming in, coming in. So in terms of going forward, we will make sure that we've always got a um, you know, plenty supply in, so we'll never run short. Hopefully, touch wood. Um, but that you know, being manufacturers, we understand how important and crucial it is to have the availability of those materials. You know, but obviously, on the other side of it, we do ask on bigger manufacturers to to obviously, you know, keep an eye on their stock. Let us know how much you do think you know, you are going to be using how much concrete you're going to be manufacturing and therefore need. And then we can make sure that we are always, you know, providing every as much as you need and more. Because at the end of the day, it's no good if we run out because then you're stuffed. Um we've had a couple of issues in the past trying to get hold of materials and supplies and we know how much of a stress it was. And that's not what anyone needs in the industry. Yeah. So the, the right. plan really for us with the products that we're selling now is when we, you know, for whatever reason, shipping crisis, you know, whatever, if we're getting low on a product, you know, we want to be emailing our suppliers that, you know, we're buying from us regularly saying, look, this is what's left on the shelf. I say, I say we, this is the royal we. Ashley will be doing this. I won't. <laughs> um, I'm just the monkey. She's the organ grinder. But no, yeah, it's to email those companies and say, look, have you got X amount of pallets left? How much do you need in the next two months? You've got a shipment on the way. Got to get here then because there's nothing worse being a manufacturer and ringing for melamine and saying you know i want 20 sheets and they say sorry it's all gone you know well you know <laughs> you kind of left up shit creek without a paddle and we don't want any of the people that we're going to be selling to on a regular basis to you know to, to have that experience that we've had in the past where you're then ringing architects and designers and saying uh sorry i can't get any materials for the next four weeks you know i'm going to be late because you know it it's not very professional so that's one of our goals um for what we're, you know, for the product we're going to be providing over here, is to make sure we've got that nice steady stream and constant right. flow of product, so nobody's left in the lurch. So it's, well, I know it's, we got what Radmix is headed your way. Yes. And and what are you guys thinking in, for the full website launch? Is that here in the next few weeks or after the first of the year? That will be in January, the website launch. So by that point, we should have Radmix in. And everything will be live and available on the website. Yep. So, um, yeah, that launch is in January. So we were going to hold the first Concrete Club in January, but because of the new strain of COVID, Omnicron, we are now going to delay that till March. But all that will allow us, obviously, to you know, make sure, you know, we have the Radmix show on the course as well, you know, and I just want to make it clear to people that are probably listening, say for Concrete Design School, you know, this is very much a course to teach you about the industry, you know, what not to do, you know, as well as what to do. And you know, but you're just going to be, you know, benefiting on the fact that you're going to see this material on the course, you know, because you, you know, you know, guys know, you know, better than I do. You don't want to be going on a course and it's essentially, right, let's open this bag or tub or whatever, and let's make this breadboard with it. Um, and that's really the course, you know, um, I just want to make that clear because I think people are going to just, you know, think that we're just doing the concrete club just to, just to sell mix. And it's really about, you know, promoting good quality practices, 
and obviously a good quality mix. But um, so yeah, but the plan I think Ashley and I also like to do some like opening days for Admix as well and ICT. So you know, just basically charge people for the material cost. You know, a bit of food. You know, we have a day where people can come, do it a few times a year, and actually just see the mix in action, and obviously see some finished pieces um, that we produce with the mix. I think that's important too, not just on the course, because you know, at the end of the day, like you said on one of your um, podcasts, I think it was Jason Robertson or somebody said, or maybe even uh, Jess Warren. You know, five thousand dollars is a lot for a course, as much as it's an investment. We we appreciate and understand that, but not everybody has that money to invest in that to begin with um you know and, and some people may not even you know need to be coming on a training course you know they want to just see the product in action so we think that's going to be a nice little sidestep for them to do that well since you mentioned training for a second yeah that was one of the things i just had a guy from north carolina i was just talking to him yesterday who actually went to you know i can say the cci he loved it now he's what he's really excited about. He he just took over a business. I believe it was either from his uncle or his dad, something like that. But what he's really looking for at this point, and I think this is what separates some of the training that we put out there, is he's looking for inspiration. You know, how yeah. to be, how to, I don't know, how not to be boring. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how not to be boring. And <clears throat> that to me is something when it comes to training. You can always train how to use a product and mm-hmm. you can certainly train and and having things like Kodiak and which which is a whole new level of quality. But mm-hmm. then the next level of training is how do you get outside the box? You know, and that's something Brandon does far more than I do being on the designed end of things. Mm-hmm. I'm still sometimes a little more into my cubicle. But to me, that's a big part of training as well. Wouldn't you agree, Brad? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I was going to say... If, Anybody is interested in training classes, look at, there's, there's other training classes out there. Just look at the pieces other training classes make, look at the pieces our training classes make, and you'll see the difference. And mm-hmm. the quality of the other training classes, the products, the quality might be good, but the designs are very, very stale. And so what we really try to focus on is the importance of design and what is good design. How do you qualify good design? You know, where do you start with design? And those are things that a lot of it is is learned, but you need to have a roadmap of how do you learn that. And that's what we discuss in our classes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, our course won't go into that level because being quite frank in, in regards to design like that, you know, I'm, you know, six years into it, you know, as much as I have an idea and things, it's I'm not... I haven't got that requisite experience to show that off, so... I don't know, man. I'm going to disagree with you. I, didn't you, you just put a video... <laughs> Yeah. Out a minute ago, walking through your showroom, which yeah. is sick, you by got the way. pieces in there that look great. Yeah, looks great. Thank you very much. Yeah. So the the idea behind the showroom, to segue into that now, is um, it was it was really because as you know, like I mean, just going back a couple of steps, originality, I think, in this industry is very important because you know you go on Etsy, you go on Google, you type in concrete, and you get the same ten thousand sinks, the same you know boring gray slabs. You know, what? how can a customer differentiate you from this person? If you're doing exactly the same thing, you might have the better mix, a better sealer, the better, you know, work ethic. But if it looks the same on a picture and online, you've got a fancy website, how do you differentiate yourself? So, you know, the showroom for us was kind of thinking out the box, thinking what can we, what can we you know, do to show people that, you know, number one, what concrete can be, and number two, what we as a business, you know, we as a team, we can produce for you. 
Um, and that was very much the kind of the idea for it. So the product's in there, you know, Ashley and I, my dad designed um, really just to go not to sell, but to say, look at this water feature or look at this cantilever curve fire table. Look at this fabric form sink, which is actually a, you know, a CDS design um, school. Um, I think Brian Manzage said, Brandon. Brian, Brian Manzanares. Yes. And yes. I just slightly tweaked it. Um, it gets called a, uh, it gets called a female part quite a lot in the showroom, shall we say? See, to um, me, it looks like a leaf. When he drew it, it looked like yeah. a leaf, and that's what he that's said. That. He's like, "Yeah, it's a leaf," and so we made that. And to me, it still looks like a leaf, but I, I guess people see other things in it. But you know, yeah, that's not what it gets called in my stream. It gets called the <laughs> vagina sink. The what? <laughs> the vagina. The sink. I like. <laughs> I like Honestly. that scene. Honestly, God, yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know, those things in there to really kind of show people, you know, this is what concrete can be if you use your imagination. It can be a vagina. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can be a vagina. <laughs> Ash is going to yeah. kill me when she put this podcast down. But, uh, but no, it, it, for our course, you're 100% right. So, you know, I know obviously you had Epic Concrete over there. And again, this is just the outside looking in. But, you know, from the outside looking in at those classes that you do, it was like this really amazing, like, out there project for Concrete. Like, you know, look at this big fucking table that we created. You know, that's that's kind of, I've scaled that down a little bit to a five-day kind of class where, have this kind of one really out there kind of design, you know, where there's a lot involved, a lot to do in terms of formwork, getting the material ready, um, you know, bracing the mold, you know, uh, making a hat mold or whatever, post tension, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that's kind of the focus of the classes to all of us get hands on with this and then obviously show other things that we've learned, you know, in the process, you know, some, you know, more simple things. But yeah, in terms of like a, a design aspect of it, probably won't go into that you know, as of yet, because, you know, I'm, I'm probably not there myself like you are, Brandon, you know, whether you like your chair, you know, the, the erosion sink, obviously, you know, some of the other things that you've had, you know, your tile designs, you know, I'm just simply, you know, haven't hit that kind of groove yet. I haven't got to that, that place just yet. So, you know, maybe one day when we, when we have, you know, I'll, I'll probably look into doing that on the course, but for now it's kind of, you know, as we are quite well known for in the UK, let's do this big stupid fucking table. Martin will do this, or this big stupid kitchen island. Martin wants to do that, so it's kind of just showing people the thought process of how I think about the engineer and the formwork, how to move it, how to flip it, you know, how to cast it. Because as you know, like you said before, and I've seen your table on um, on Facebook, that table you just pour with the triangle on the bottom, you know, it's kind of showing people the thought process of why you've done what you've done there, Brandon. You know what I mean? So. Uh, that's really what I'm quite excited to show people because that's kind of where I get a bit of a kick is having that idea and putting it together and you get the the end outcome and you think, wow, we made that. So, and then, you know, beauty of concrete is for me, make it, you finish it. And then, you know, it's kind of, you're done, what's next, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of putting that across the people in the, in the concrete club. I think as well, we haven't had much of a chance to really work on too many creative designs of our own i think a lot of what we what we have been creating yeah some of it was our own independent sort of ideas or whatever or a, a different take on somebody else's but then as martin said we've kind of ended up going down this route of somebody comes along and says can you make this and it's a giant cantilever island and martin goes Yes. <laughs> yeah. Martin just doesn't even bat an eyelid. He's just like, yes, I will do that. He has no idea what he's getting himself involved, but he's like, yeah, I'm jumping headfirst into that. Um, and 
you know, we, we then spend a long time planning and going through all that and sometimes a lot of heartache with it. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a lot, there's been a lot of times where things just haven't gone right. But do you know what? At the end of the day, we've still done it. Martin, obviously, and his dad have still made it and they've yeah. look at it and go, yeah. And so Martin, every time I think is drawn into that, like, yeah, let's do that again. See, the thing is, I, I genuinely want to show people you know, the highs and the lows of this because, you know, some of those big pieces that, you know, we've done, we've had to make some of those, you know, two times on the odd occasion, three times. And, you know, it's... It has to be right. Yeah, it has to be right. And it's it's kind of, I want to, you know, show people that aspect of the industry because on Instagram, you know, you go on our profile and it looks great and you think, oh, wow, those guys have got it figured out, you know, and let's be quite honest here, you know, as much as we have an idea, you know, there is a lot of, there's an aspect of, you know, kind of, you know, making this up as you go along, especially in the beginning, you know, and, and guys that are starting out don't see any of this. Or, you know, or guys that have been doing it for two or three years, you know, need to do little things. You don't see that. You just see this big five, you know, five metre, 15 foot cantilever aisle and you think, wow, he's got this all figured out. And the reality behind that is, you know, many failures or a recast for that particular project. But there's also a hell of a lot of planning. And, you know, I think it's really important to, to show people that because, you know, I think people get the wrong impression about our industry. Like you said, you know, they go into YouTube, it's just crack a bag, you know, sackcrete or quickcrete, and you just pour it into a square mold, bit of rebar done, you know, and, and as we know full well, it's, there's a hell of a lot more to it for, you know, a piece that's, you know, essentially, you know, built to last a lifetime, which is, you know, the the the, the blurb on our um, company Instagram page. And you go onto it, that's what it says, you know, creating pieces to last a lifetime. And that's what I truly believe in. And you know, and that obviously hits into why I'm enjoying using Radmix because, you know, I have a mix now that I fully believe that I can create a piece and it will, you know, it's going to last forever. It'll certainly outlast my dad, sure. who's uh, just hit his 59th birthday. So get <laughs> get a bit of a dig in there about his age. So oh. <laughs> it'll, it'll outlast your great, great, great grandkids is what it'll last, yes. at least. Yeah, yeah. What I want to hit on with the design is... Design is subjective, number one. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't pretend to be the arbiter of what's good and bad, but there are definitely fundamental principles that most people will uh, relate to as being good and, and bad. But what I would say is, from your guys' perspective, and I think you're getting it, is you have more successes than you have failures. When you make something, you pop it out, and you're like, oh, this looks good. I saw your show. It looks amazing. So you guys are making really cool Thank stuff. You. But sometimes you pop something out, and you look at it, and you say, mm, no right? And yeah. it's having the perspective of figuring out what sucks about this. Because when you made it, you didn't make it intending for it to suck. Like nobody no. wastes, you know, 40 hours of your life building forms and mixing concrete and casting it and curing it and then demolding it and being like, oh, this sucks. But it happens. And so it's when that happens, dissecting what about this isn't good, learning mm-hmm. from it and not repeating that mistake. And through that process of making bad design, you ultimately arrive at what is good design. The problem in the beginning of anybody's career, especially if you're focusing on originality, which everybody should, because otherwise you're just going to be relegated to being a a counterfeiter in a very small local radius because nobody across the country is going to hire you to make a counterfeit piece. But if you're focused on original design, in the beginning, you're going to make pieces that you knock it out of the park. Like my erosion sink was one of those that, you know, is still today one of my most successful designs. But then I'd do another sink that was absolute garbage. And I, at the time, I didn't have perspective on why that was. And so it's very all over the place. Um, 
So great design, horrible design, great design, horrible design. And you're like, oh, I don't know why this one, you know, doesn't look good and why people don't, re- you know, relate to it like they do this. But in yeah. time you learn those things. And so that's really, you know, for anybody wanting to focus on design, it's being able to embrace bad design and be honest mm-hmm. with yourself. Because I think the thing is a lot of times people have a vested interest in it. They put all this time and money into it and they want people yeah. to love it. You know, I had a buddy made a chair, this Chase Lounge, and it was beautiful in form horrible in ergonomics and we're at a trade show we went to dwell he was next to me and people are sitting in this chair and he went and got pillows trying to like prop them up in their lower lumbar section and they would sit in the chair and like oh my god it's killing my back he's like no 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 here put this pillow here and he's like tucking it under you know and they're like no it still sucks and i just remember thinking like he was so vested because he'd spent all this money building it because it looked great on paper Mm -hmm. But he wasn't yeah. honest with himself. Like he wasn't honest, like, dude, I don't care that I spent whatever, $5,000, $10,000 manufacturing this prototype. It sucks. And I just need to like chalk it up to a, a failure, but I'm going to learn from it. I'm not going to do that again. So that's really kind of the thing. But when you look at other classes pieces, the problem is the uh, companies doing those classes, they're not designers. They don't focus on design. And so unfortunately, people going through those programs, they might learn what makes good concrete. Although today with things like Kodiak Pro, Good concrete's pretty darn easy to do, but you'll, you'll learn what makes good concrete, but you don't learn the importance of making great designs because ultimately what you make with concrete is far more important than the strength of the concrete. The benefit of Kodiak Pro products as I'm continuing, continuing to observe myself is the ability to do really crazy complex designs and have them turn out where before they wouldn't. Before I demold mm-hmm. them, there'd be air pockets, color streaking, just, you know, they, they would come out very mm, uh, raw and bad and, and raw in a bad way, not in a good way. And now I'm demolding pieces and they're just absolutely beautiful. So it's, uh, it's going to change the game for a lot of guys. So they can really focus more and more and more on design and less and less and less on mixing their own concrete, how to cast it just right to get it to flow in and not get air trapped and all these things because the mix is taking care of a lot of those issues. That's design. And I think really, in your class, you'd be doing your attendees a good service if you did kind of touch on that some, because that's really going to be the difference yeah. between success and failure yeah. for them. It's, yeah. it's funny you say, you just reminded me there very quickly to hit back on that. You said about now, you know, you can just pour some, there's no bug holes or whatever. So a lot of the times you spend a lot more time in labor because, you know, say for example, you've got a, a sink and the client wants a, you know, this perfect piece with no bug holes, no big holes or whatever. So obviously, you know, I do what, um, I'm thinking of the name now at the top of my head, and I always call it this, but essentially, instead of having your four-sided wall built with your sick mold in it, I'll have the whole mold separate, spray it all, and then put it together. Right. You know, and then, like, <laughs> the problem is with that, you're relying on so much to go right when you're spraying every piece separate and then screwing it all back together and making sure the screw goes in the right hole and you've done this and you've done that and you're against the clock, as you know. But you're doing all of that because, you know, I, I, I'll tell you for a fact, you know, I've tried to use the products on the market that say, you know, oh, you can pour and it's perfect, and it isn't. You know, maybe it's just maybe it is user error. But now, with using Radmix, I I have been have the ability to just pour it in the mold. You know, and it's coming out pretty darn perfect. You know, don't get me wrong, there's a few little air pockets here or there, and that's just down to my, you know, learning curves with the material still. Yeah, it's user error. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's. It's the fact now that I can do that. Yeah. If you look at the Leviathan table on my website, you'll see, because we poured that upside down, we poured it through a lake, and you'll see all the artifacts of the process of the casting, because there's all this air entrainment and movement of color in the lake, right? And you'll see it mm-hmm. on there. Um, there's no way to, to get rid of it. 
Now, when I cast that table, I'd wished that it wouldn't have done it to that extent. Because when I demold it, I'm like, ugh, this is like way more imperfections than I would like. But mm-hmm. with, and that's when I really started focusing more and more on using pumps to injection cast concrete to get the concrete down into the form and let it fill up so you don't get the air pockets, you don't get all the air entrained and the color streaking from it running down the form. But I just cast yeah. these two uh, black tables a couple of days ago <clears throat> that I mentioned to you earlier. They are insane, the quality. Like, mind-blowing how good the quality is. When I pop those off, and like I said, you know, Kodiak Pro, I've been using Maker Mix now since we've developed it uh, for, you know, about a year and a half now. But every time I cast, it still continues to astound me because I'm doing more and more things where, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, well, now we're going to kind of see maybe some more, I don't know, artifacts, more imperfections. Demolded, yeah. perfect perfect i'm like oh my god and it's the mix it's the mix it's not the casting technique i mean i had aiden my 20 year old kid who doesn't know anything pouring concrete he poured one table i poured another table they both came out exactly the same beautiful so yeah it's it the mix solves so many problems it makes life so much easier for guys that they don't have to go through the thing you know we do classes we did a class uh i don't know a month ago now maybe three weeks ago but we demold a piece and it's so funny. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, but somebody will point out literally the only air hole in the whole piece, which will be on the side, will be the size of the head of a pin. I mean, it's microscopic. It'll be one piece. They're like, what do you do about this? What do you do about this? I'm like, oh my God, bro. Like we used to have holes the size of tennis balls in the side of our concrete when I first started. And now we got the size of a pin, one, one little speck. And that's really how far the materials have come. And it is the materials themselves that make the difference. Shout out to Mr. Selfie himself, Chuck Fournier. He's the, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mr. Selfie. Yeah. Let's just call him that. He did a oh, this beautiful white table well, maybe a year ago. He, he'd obviously know when it was because he'd probably got a selfie for it. But um, he did this table, poured it upside down, and it came out immaculate. And it was Maker's Mix. And I said, have you sprayed it? And he's like, no, I just poured it. And I was like, no, okay. So, you know, show me the close-up pictures then. He's like, no, no, it's perfect. And it was immaculate. And, you know, coming from a spray background, that's normal, obviously, because you spray it and you pour it, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, you poured that entirely? He's like, yeah. And it's literally perfect. And it was kind of like, you know, fuck me, if you like, thinking, you know. And I say, how long did it take to cast it? He's like, an hour. And he was clean. He was, you know, he was, he was literally like he just walked into the shop from the, you know, from the morning breakfast, and that was it. Whereas me casting that same table that had been in my face, you know, like wall paint everywhere, the walls had been covered in it, building my shoes, you know, taking a lot, hell of a lot longer. So it was kind of him, you know, all that time ago that really put me onto Maker's Mix back then, um, you know, in its first guys because it's, you know. Um, has that ability so and that's the thing about about this people are on there so making the labor saving time with using a mix that you can just pour and walk away because you know how a time intensive spray up is you know i certainly do have to do it for six years especially on you know large pieces especially with any of the vertical you know we do a lot of fire tables you know four-sided boxes and whatnot having the ability just to you know if i want to spray it because i can spray rad mix spray a mist coat but the internal box in and pour it knowing it's going to come out as strong as it's going to be rather than spraying it with GFRC and then you pour it in, you know, you've got a chance of, you know, holes, you know, big voids or whatever. It's not as strong as it should be, you know, cracking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. You know, you haven't got that problem anymore. I know I, for me, from a, I love this industry, but it is becoming, you know, quite hard on, on, on you know, my, uh, my shoulders for spraying for six years, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out, um, even with, you know, proper broomcraft setup, the, if I can just go in now 
put it in the rim craft and dump it in the mold that is quite exciting yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you know my shoulder well, just to touch on months. something you know brandon's <clears throat> and i know i completely understand i just interject see I, i'll be the first to say it's not in the mix it's not the reality of these materials where this really where the rubber hits the road are these are materials that are hand designed by upwards if you put all of our experiences together from dusty brandon myself yourself i mean this is why we're having this conversation i mean we have thousands tens of thousands of hours of experience oh hundreds of thousands. working with other materials joe Bates, and in everybody our, yeah yeah mm-hmm. in ourselves that's led to the development of this end I and mean, this is what did it. I mean, this is what pushed me, yeah, to work with specific companies to have some specific materials made to a specification that doesn't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's this is a really exciting end for people that I, I really hope more and more people, you know, as they get on board and start using these things and see where it takes their offerings to new levels and new heights. But that's why, because we all came together to make this happen instead of relying on a packaged product. It's still the materials. You're saying it's not the materials. It's hundred percent the materials, how the materials got here and how we arrived at these materials. That's the difference between this and every other product out there, but it's still the quality of the material that makes the difference in the product. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're talking crazy. <laughs> Martin. <laughs> no, I think it's it's like putting your heart and soul into it. I guess yeah, but it's still the materials, bro. It's still the materials. No, it's not. It's not your heart it's and soul. It's the materials. materials. Jesus Christ. It's you, Brandon. <laughs> it's you. It's you in spite of me. Brandon it's in, dust it's in it. spite of me. <laughs> but what I was going to say, Martin, is, you know, you're talking about recasting a piece because it has all the crazy cracks in it from the V-cast yeah. and the accelerator. And what is the cost of recasting one piece? And it's tremendous. I mean, I'm recasting a, a table because and it has nothing to do with the mix. I had to do with my form. A block out became dislodged and ended up on the surface of the concrete. You know, it's going to cost me at least $1,000, if not more, out of my own pocket just in real cost mm-hmm. and materials and time and, and melamine and whatnot. If somebody's recasting you or anybody else in the UK is recasting a project because they're using substandard materials and they're doing it because it's what's available or because it's a little bit cheaper you're stepping mm-hmm. over dollars to pick up dimes. We always say that. You're not saving anything. If you'd use the correct product or the best product available, which pretty soon you're going to be stocking Radmix, if you use that, even though it costs a little bit more up front, maybe 20 30% more than things that are there, the cost of not recasting even one project paid for that additional materials cost. All of it, yeah. yeah for the whole yeah, year. Yeah, and more, yeah. yeah. So that's something and that e- we need to kind of address about the UK market because, you know, I, I think there might be some pushback. People say, oh, this is expensive. Compared to what? If you recast a single project because of VCAS or Accelerator or whatever, you should just use this product and save yourself all that time and money. And the quality as well. The quality of the, of the pieces that you will get from it will speak for itself. Your yeah. quality will be far better than others on the market. And you'll be able to get more for your money because of it. You know, at the end of the day, people do want something that's unique um quite often and they are willing to pay for it but if if you're kind of selling yourself out short by using cheap you know inferior materials then how can you really go to the table and say yeah to the client buy this 
Yeah, using the right products. Dusty talks about in his class, but he sleeps well at night because he uses ICT. He used to use topicals. He almost went out of business. I used to use topicals. I almost went out of business. If you use the right products and the best products, you sleep well at night. And being able to sleep because you're not worrying about the quality of what you're putting out into the world. When I ship something to a client, I'm not sweating it. Like when they get it, is it going to get destroyed? Is it going to fall apart? Is it going to peel? Is it going to turn yellow? Is it going to crack? You don't have those worries. That's invaluable. Like lowering the stress level in your life, in your business is invaluable. Guys, we're going on an hour and 24 now, so we need to wrap this up. But what I want to talk about real quick is your products in the UK. Do you distribute only to the UK or are you going to be distributing to surrounding countries in Europe? Um, How do people get a hold of you? How do they order product? Yeah, so it's all across the UK and Europe. So for now, with the website launching in January, we are asking people to get in touch by email with us. And the email address is info at designerconcretesupplies.com. You can also reach us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, Designer Concrete Supplies. So reach out to us, especially if you're in Europe. Sometimes I know that certain countries, when you're kind of exchanging emails, the odd time they might not get through. So definitely reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. You, we should definitely get your messages. Um, but most of the time we, we have been exchanging with Ukraine, for example. You know, Google Translate works a treat. Well, so I believe. <laughs> Hopefully the, um, the translated messages have been clear enough. So, yeah. So no matter where you are, we we will try our best to get to you. Because um, at the end of the day, getting from America, as we've already said about getting ICT over here, there are troubles, there are issues. The shipping crisis isn't going to magically go away. So with us having them here, they are that bit closer to everybody else then. Yeah. And hopefully we will always have supply for you then for when you need it. I wonder if... Concrete vagina sink translates to Ukraine properly in Google Translate. <laughs> I'm not trying that one. <laughs> <laughs> they might be asking for something completely different, and they'll get that instead. Yeah, yeah. right. If anybody <laughs> in the porn industry is listening, I'm happy to make a vagina sink for you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem whatsoever. John, uh, what you got? Nothing, man. That sounds like uh, next year is going to be big in the UK. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope my that's that's the plan. Um, I'm always looking to grow and expand, and you know. The, the more people I can help and reach, you know, that's for me, that's that's the dream. I love watching people succeed uh, with my help and people will say, how can I repay you? Or I'll repay you one day. And I genuinely also say, look, the best way to repay me is to show me what you make, um, you know, with the advice I've given you. You know, there's nothing more fulfilling because as the old saying goes, people don't remember um, what you give them, you know, or what you do for them. They remember how you make them feel, um, you know, and that's kind of, you know, that's, you know, that's what I live for, shall we say. I, I prefer well, dollars. I Brandon personally. and I are genuinely, I mean, we, we're genuinely, we're in the You sound like my dad. <laughs> we're genuinely excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we are too, definitely. 100%. It's going to be, it's going to be good fun. So hopefully next year we're going to get over for a CDS school, you know, actually meet you all. You know, I'd really like to meet you, Dusty, John. Um, you know, see, obviously, I'll be perfectly honest. Dusty sounds amazing. Oh, he looks amazing. Awesome. But yeah. Yeah. I'd love he's to awesome. see the rammed earth, you know, the, the, the workshop you built there. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's quite, um, 
that's quite exciting to me to see your workshop in some weird kind of way. I never thought I'd be saying that six years ago. I can't wait to see someone's workshop. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it, you know, it's like seeing your granddad's tool shed when you're a kid. Um, I don't know how know. I feel about that. <laughs> and you go to your granddad's shed and say, "Wow, look at all this stuff!" And you move his tools. Like, put that back. Why have you move this? So, yeah. Well, hopefully, we're gonna try to do some type of Kodiak Pro party of some sort at Dusty's place uh, in Tennessee. I'm still trying to figure out the date. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Dusty's shop is yeah. insane. You know, my shop is cool. I like my shop, but and I haven't been to Dusty's new shop, but I've seen photos and it looks amazing. And he has. I want to say 600 acres or 800 acres land, which is like like a million kilometers. I'm not sure how that translates, but but we have some plans of things we want to do um, that are going to be very, very fun, a little bit dangerous. My wife is a little bit nervous. I've told her the ideas that me and John are throwing around of things we want to do at this party, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So that if you can make that when we do finally get around to scheduling it, that'd be the time to come to the U.S. to come to that party. So. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap this up and we'll definitely connect here in the next uh, month or two and see how things are going. Thank you very much for having yeah, us. Thank you for having us. Awesome. You guys great have a great day. You guys. And you. Thank you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.